I'm not apologizing for what I'm getting ready to do, but I, I am, I'm sorry for those folks that were in the service last night. But I'm just going to try to follow the Lord. Thank you, Brother Mike. And uh, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Philippians, please. And uh, I appreciate all those who came out at the youth rally last night. We had a great service, by the way. House was packed last night. We had two saved. And it was a just, it was a tremendous service. But I really felt, you know, I, I, I felt like this was a message that our church needed to hear, not just the youth rally last night. And, um, and all you preachers know what I'm talking about. Just discerning the will of God sometimes is uh, tricky, is not, the right, is not the right answer. I know if we were more yielded, we would, we would probably know exactly what to do. I've had messages that I've preached for instance, I preached in a youth rally several years ago, and I preached a message called Thank God for the Rumble Strips. And uh, I've never preached that message ever again, never, anywhere. And God blessed in a great way that day, but I've never preached that message ever again. There was somebody in that service who needed that message, and I've never preached it, you know, never repeated it. And, and so I don't always repeat a message but I just felt like this was the direction we needed to go this morning. And so we're just going to follow the Lord. And so Philippians chapter 1, and when you find your place, if you'll stand this morning, and then we're going to turn over in just a moment, we're going to turn over to 1 John uh, chapter number 2. But I want you to look at Philippians. We're going to read several verses here, and I'll try to give you the short version this morning. Boy, y'all got some preaching last Sunday, didn't you? Y'all went into extra innings. I said, yeah, and uh, we watched the service. Amen. Philippians chapter 1, we love Brother Orange, he's a good fellow. Philippians chapter 1, in verse number 6, the Bible says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. And then I want you to skip down to verse number 10. He said that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Then I want you, if you would, to skip down to verse number 20. The Bible says, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, now watch very closely, Calvary, that in nothing I shall be what? Ashamed. That in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Now I want you to turn over with me, if you will, to 1 John chapter number 2, right back toward the very back of your Bible. 1 John chapter 2. And look, if you will, please, at verse number 28. 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 28. And we're going to read this verse together as we did last night in the youth rally. 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 28. Ready? And now, little children, abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Let me read it one more time for you. And now, little children, abide in him that when he shall appear, watch closely, we may have confidence and not be ashamed. There's that word again. We read that same word in Philippians chapter 1. And not be ashamed before him at his coming. You may be seated this morning and just for a few minutes today, I want to preach on the subject that you see on the screen, heaven practice, heaven practice. And I'll tell you what that, what that means here in just a, just a moment. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer and uh, seriously, I, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll let you out a good time today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and pray and ask God to help us this morning. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. And Lord, there is a tremendous spirit in this place today. And uh, Lord, a spirit of worship. God, there's a spirit of unity, a spirit of peace. God, we prayed about that. And I know I'm not the only one that prayed about it. I'm sure there are many others who prayed. And God, you've definitely heard and answered our prayers. And we thank you for that. God, thank you for what you're doing across the road in the new property. And I pray that you'll continue to do wonderful, wonderful things there. And God, I pray that you'll fund it and take care of all the needs there. 
and, uh, and help the workers. And I pray you'd give them safety too, Lord, as they uh, work. I pray you'd help there to be no accidents and things like that. Now, Father, as you take just a few minutes to, to dive into your word, I pray for a fresh anointing this morning. And I pray that this message will be fresh, not only to those that are hearing it for the first time, but God, I pray that it would even speak to those that have heard it last night and to myself. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll do a work in our hearts and our lives. God, the best we know how, we plead the blood of Jesus over the service. And God, I don't believe the devil wants us to get this message. And so, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name now that you'll bind the powers of darkness. And God, I pray that you'd keep them out. And Lord, I pray that you'd keep your blessings within. Help us, please. We love you and ask you for your anointing. In Jesus' name, we pray, and for his sake, Father, amen and amen. If I read this passage in this scripture that we read just a moment ago, if I read it right, then it tells me the calling away of Christ's church to heaven will not be all joy and splendor and glory. Now, I believe what Miss Krista sang about just a while ago, we shall behold him. And I believe it's going to be great. Don't get me wrong. I believe that heaven is going to be a wonderful place. And the choir sings that song, Heaven. Can you imagine? But if we read the Word of God right, it's very possible that there's going to be an element of shame. Or if I could use this word, awkwardness. An element of awkwardness for some who are saved when they get to that place called heaven. Let me illustrate if I could. Years, several years ago, my wife and I went up to a place called the Grove Park Inn in Asheville, North Carolina. It's a beautiful place. You ought to go up there and visit. I mean, if you just go up there to visit, you don't have to stay. And it is a beautiful, beautiful place. One of the most beautiful places that you'll visit in the state of North Carolina. We don't stay there. We've only stayed there once because we can't afford to stay there. And, and uh, but it's, it's, it's gorgeous. I mean, presidents and heads of states and movie stars and uh, and usually if the President of the United States goes to Asheville, usually he stays at the Grove Park Inn. That's where he stays. And it is a beautiful place. And, well, uh, we, uh, we received a, a special deal to go to the Grove Park Inn. I've never seen a deal like this since. It was a romance package, and we like romance. Amen. And, and, uh, and for $228, you could go and you could stay the night plus... You can have two meals in one of their 10 gourmet restaurants at the Grove Park Inn. And so uh, we looked at that and thought, wow, that sounds like a pretty good deal. You say, well, that sounds expensive to me. <laughs> and it's, it, trust me, it's not. And uh, you can have breakfast at the Blue Ridge Cafe, which is a beautiful restaurant, all in glass, overlooks the, uh, uh, the Blue Ridge Mountains, and a beautiful, beautiful place. But also, uh, with that special deal that we had, you could have dinner in a, a, a restaurant called The Horizons. It was The Horizons. They've changed it now. But at the time, it was The Horizons Restaurant. It was, it was one of only five five-star restaurants in the whole state of North Carolina. And so we thought, that sounds good. Sounds like a good deal. So we made that arrangement, our reservation. And I'll never forget, we took off toward Asheville, North Carolina, got to the Grove Park. Oh, it's beautiful, just gorgeous. The main part of the, of the resort there is, is made in these big, gigantic boulders that came out of the mountains. And I mean, it's just, it's breathtaking, spectacular. Well, we got checked in, went to our room, had a nice room, and we had a little time. And so I told my wife, I said, well, let's walk down to the restaurant where we're going to eat tonight. And I said, let's, uh, let's see what it looks like. So we walked down to the uh, Horizons restaurant and uh, it wasn't open yet. They don't serve breakfast. They don't serve lunch. They only serve dinner. And so uh, we just looked, you know, it was beautiful. I mean, fancy. And uh, there, was a, uh, there was a little sign out front and it said dress code, black tie. Well, you'll have to excuse me. I'm just a country boy. I didn't really know what that meant. And so, but I knew I didn't pack a black tie. I knew that. I, and so we went back up to the room. A little bit later, I called down to the restaurant and I said, I noticed he had a little sign there that said black tie. I said, does that mean that we have to dress a certain way? Oh, yes, sir. He said, uh, he said you're not allowed in here without a coat on. And so uh, we went down to JCPenney and I purchased me a sport coat for that night. We showed up for our reservation and and we put on our, our Sunday go to meeting clothes, you know, and we uh, went down there and, and uh, we said, we're the popes, we have reservations. Oh, yes, sir, come in. And they took my wife and I in 
and we walked through that fancy restaurant, and they sat us at a table. And you know what? Almost instantaneously, we knew we were in the fanciest restaurant we had ever been in. In fact, I'm going to be honest with you, church, we were a little bit out of our league. I mean, we really were. And, uh, and so they sat us down, and you say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, I noticed that on this side, it may have been this side. I don't know which side it was, but on this side, preacher, there was about five forks. And on this side, there was about five spoons. And on the top of the plate, there was uh, two or three knives. And I asked my wife, I said, what do you do with all these? I don't know what you do with them. I, I, I mean, and I told the folks last night, this is the truth. I usually just eat with one, I, you know. And if I drop that one, I just wipe it off and eat with it anyway. I, and, uh, and I'll never forget, uh, there was a couple that was sitting, uh, my wife was uh, sitting toward them, and I was sitting away from them, and she said, I'm going to watch them. And she said, you just do what I do. I, and... Uh, I mean, it was crazy. They came that night. It's kind of a restaurant where they, they unfold your napkin. They lay your napkin in your lap. And then they come and they open your menu, and they, it's a big, giant menu. And, and, uh, and they unfold it and, and, and put it down there, you know. And, and, uh, and you know what? We knew after about two minutes we were in trouble. When you can't read the menu, you're in trouble. I noticed that on one of the things it said lobster. It said a lot of other things, but it said lobster. And I thought, well, I like lobster, and so I'll get that. But then we were trying to figure out what my wife could eat. And so there was one item in there that said squab. Well, squab, I knew what squab is. That's a bird, amen. And so we thought, coming from Union Grove, squab means chicken. That's what it means. And so uh, the lady came back, you know, and, and, uh, you know, one guy brought our water, and then another guy brought our drinks, and then another, another person brought our food, and, uh, and, uh, but the lady came back to take our order, and, and I said, yes, I'll have this. You know, I pointed up there at it. I couldn't pronounce it. I just, I just it said lobster in there. I said, I'll have that. And I said, my wife will have this. And so we ordered the squab for my wife. Just to let you know, it wasn't chicken. It was sitting pigeon is what it was. And it tasted like it had been sitting way too long. And I listen, it was crazy. Every time, we'd, every time they, that we'd get a, a, a few crumbs on the tablecloth, this little lady would come over and she'd take a little broom out of her pocket and she'd scrape the, she'd scrape the crumbs off of the table. And uh, I mean, it was, it was something else. Now, I just, I, I just I said all that to say this. That what was, what was meant to be really, really nice turned out to be really, really awkward. In fact, I know this is crazy. This is absurd. We figured that meal up. It would have cost us way over $150 that night. We left the restaurant that night and drove down to the mall and went to McDonald's later that night. <laughs> I mean, we were just, you know what, we just, it was just, we were just out of place. We weren't, we weren't used to it. Now, I said that for a reason. I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that heaven is going to be an absolutely wonderful place. I believe it's going to be great. I believe it's going to be indescribable. I don't believe any of our great Bible teachers in our church or any of our good Bible preachers in our church can really do it justice when they preach about heaven or teach about heaven. I believe heaven is going to be beyond our wildest imaginations. But I also believe this. I believe that what Jesus has designed to be beautiful and what Jesus has designed to be enjoyable beyond measure may be actually a little awkward for some because they fail to prepare themselves now. Can I ask you a question? I just want you to think about this. I'm going to give you the short version this morning. Can I ask you a question? Will heaven be awkward for you? Now, I want you just to think about that. You said, Pastor, I've never, never considered it, never thought about it. Well, you need to think about it. Will heaven be awkward for you? 
I believe one of the purposes of the local church is designed to get us ready for life in heaven. I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. Listen, you think about it. When you're getting ready to go practice football, where do you go? You go to the football field. That's where you go. Man, you're going to, listen, if it's football practice, you don't go to the mall. You go to the football field. If you're going to practice soccer, where do you go? You go to the soccer field. If you're going to practice for tennis, where do you go? You go to the tennis court. But I said that to say this, if you're going to practice for heaven, you know where you go? You go to the house of God. That's where you go. And so really what this is today, this is practicing for heaven. That's what this is. Every time you come to Calvary Baptist Church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night, what we're really doing is through the preaching and the teaching and the music and all that we do at Calvary, we're really just practicing. I mean, this is this is scrimmage time. I mean, it's, it's hey, let's all get in the huddle, man. Let's get ready and... Uh, I mean, one, two, three, break. I mean, man, let's get ready. And by the way, I believe that heaven is coming sooner than you think. And if we've ever been ready for the coming of the Lord, we better be ready now. Man, I got to get into this thing. I got to preach. I got to preach a little bit. Uh, uh, listen, we ought to be faithful to the house of God. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I hope you're going to heaven. But if you're going to heaven, I want you to be comfortable. I want you to be comfortable. Now, Alan, if this thing starts giving us trouble, I'll just can it and... We'll go to this right here. Is it? Is it me? All right. I tell you what. For instances, if I could this morning, I believe the things that we do in the house of the Lord get us ready for what we're going to do in heaven one day. For instance, number one, I wrote this down. There'll be scripture. In heaven. Would you take your Bibles this morning? We're going to use our Bibles quite a bit today. And turn over to to Psalm 119 and verse number 89. Psalm 119 and verse number 89. And I want you to notice what the Bible says here. Psalm 119 and verse number 89. The Bible says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it for you. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. Ask a question. Is the Bible a very real part of your life? If it's not, you need to change that today. Somebody said, somebody said it like this. If I should live a thousand years and search it every day, the precious word of God would still shed light upon my way. Should every other earthly thing be severed from my grasp, I pray that I may ever hold my Bible till the last. And someday when he calls me home and I at last can look upon his face, I want to kneel and thank him for his book. I just want to say this morning, thank God for the word of God. Thank God for his Bible. This is God's wonderful love letter to his children. This is his global positioning system. This is his uh, His roadmap to heaven. And I thank God for the word of God. Now I want to ask you a question. Is the Bible an awkward book for you? Well, you say, preacher, you say, I've tried, to, I've tried to read it and it just don't do anything for me. Now, wait a minute, there's something you gotta, you gotta understand. The Bible is a supernatural book. And if you're gonna get something out of God's word, there's several things you're gonna have to do. How about this? Number one, you're gonna have to get to know the author. You've got to get to know the author. A little story that I tell sometimes about the young lady that uh, fell in love with a, a young man. They courted for a while, and and uh, and then finally they were engaged, and they were just head over heels in love, and getting ready to get married. And uh, and uh, they were they were together one night, and they were talking, and and she said, "Honey," she said, I, "I'm so excited about being married to you." She said, "You know," she said, uh, uh, "This is just uh, just unique." She said, "Several years ago," she said, "I read a book." She said, it didn't do a whole lot for me, but she said, I read a book, and she said, what's really interesting is, she said, this author had the same name as you. He said, well, honey, 
I never mentioned it. But he said, I wrote that book. She said, what? He said, yes, I, I wrote that book. She couldn't believe it. I mean, it just knocked her off her feet. He said, yes, I just never mentioned it, but I'm the author of that book. Well, that night, that night he went home. Man, she started digging through her library, digging through her bookshelf. She found that book. Man, she pulled it out, knocked the dust off of it. She began to read it, except this time, man, it was riveting. This time, man, it was captivating. This time, she couldn't put it down. I mean, every word was just speaking volumes to her, and she read it way up into the night. Now, you say, preacher, what made the difference? Let me tell you what made the difference. She fell in love with the author. Can I tell you, oh, listen, can I tell you why some of you don't love the word of God? Because you've never fallen in love with the author. If you ever ever fall in love with him. I'm telling you, this book will do amazing things for you. It'll speak volumes to your heart. The precious word of God. You've got to get to know the author. But how about this? You've got to continue to read it. The Bible tells us in Romans 15 verse 4, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. You've got to keep reading it. You say, Pastor, I tried to read it one time and it didn't do much for me. You got to read it again. And you say, Pastor, I read it on Monday and it didn't really move me. You got to read it on Tuesday. And, uh, man, you just got to keep on reading it, keep on reading it, keep on reading it. And uh, Brother House used to tell that story. He was growing up in a, a poor, a dirt poor family. And he said they just ate what they could. And he said his mama would fix okra. And he said he couldn't stand that stuff. He detested it. He said his mom would boil it. And he said it looked like worms was coming out of it. And, and he said he hated that stuff. And his mom would say, son, eat your okra. But mama, I don't, and she'd say, son, eat your okra. Eat your okra. And he would complain. And she'd say, eat your okra. And he said, I ate my okra when I was five. And I ate my okra when I was nine. And I ate my okra when I was 12. And I ate my okra when I was, when I was 15. And he said, you know what? Something started to happen. He said, that stuff that I used to hate, he said, I started to love. And uh, he said, listen, if you took and put on one plate a T-bone steak and a baked potato with sour cream and butter and chives and uh, on this side and you put that okra on the other side, he said, do you know what I would do? Eat them both, brother. That's right. I'd eat them both. But he said, if I had to choose, he said, I'd eat the okra. Now, wait a minute now. What made the difference? He ate it and ate it and ate it and ate it and ate it. And after a while, man, it began to minister to him. It began to give him an appetite. Now, this is all I'm saying. If you'll just keep on reading this book and reading this book and reading this book, I'm telling you, God will use this book in your heart. But there's something we need to understand. Scripture will be in heaven. We got to go quickly. How about this? Number two, and I, I didn't put them on the screen, did I? How about this? Number one, scripture. How about this? Number two, singing. Singing's going to be in heaven. Now I want you to take your Bibles and uh, turn over to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5, and look, if you will, please, at verse number 9 with me, if you would. Revelation chapter 5 and verse number 9. And I think we'll just stay right here in the book of Revelation the whole time. Revelation chapter 5 and verse number 9. Found your place, say amen. amen. All right, here we go. Revelation 5, verse 9. The Bible says, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Turn over just a few pages to, to Revelation chapter 14. And look, if you will, please, at verse number 2, Revelation chapter 14. And verse number two, the Bible says, And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters and as the voice of great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps and they sung as it were a new song before the throne. Turn over one page, Revelation chapter 15. And look, if you will, at verse number two. The Bible says, And I saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire. And them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name stand on the sea of glass, watch now, having the harps of God. 
and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Listen, did you know one of the reasons that we sing in the house of God is to get you ready for heaven? Now, I know some people come to our church sometimes, they say, man, y'all sing a lot. <laughs> Listen, that's not by accident. We do that on purpose. And I'll tell you why. It's heaven practice, man. Listen, the reason you're here, we're trying to get you ready for glory. There's going to be singing in heaven. And I said this last night, and it's the truth. Did you know that every church member ought to have to lead music for about six months? And you'd see it a lot different. That's right. You say, what do you mean, preacher? You know, the song leader gets up here and, uh, man, he tries to be pumped up as Brother Brandon does and, and uh, he comes up and says, oh, it's good to see you in the house of the Lord. They take your song books and turn to page number so-and-so and let's all stand and sing amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And you know what, brother? It is so disturbing when you look all around the auditorium and people aren't singing, people aren't doing anything. Listen, did you know a sign of being spirit-filled is you'll have a song? Will you say, preacher, you don't understand, you don't understand, I can't sing, I can't carry a tune in a bucket? Listen, aren't you glad then the Bible says make a joyful noise? And if you're here this morning and you say, pastor, I'm not a good singer, I don't have a good voice, then every Sunday morning when you walk in here, just walk in saying, hey, I'm gonna do my best to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Why? Because heaven is gonna be a place of singing. Hey, let's go a little further. How about this? Heaven's going to be a place of shouting. This is heaven practice. Hey, church, it's scrimmage time. Heaven's going to be a place of shouting. I want to show you that. Take your Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5 and look at verse number 11. And notice what the Bible says. And I know we've got a lot of new folks here and, and, uh, and, uh, come from a lot of different backgrounds, but let me help you with something this morning. Revelation chapter 5, verse number 11. John the Revelator said, And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beast and the elders. Look at this, Calvary. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands. Look at this next line. Saying with a, what's the word? Loud. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all them that are in there in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb forever and ever. I, do, I got news for you church, heaven is not gonna be a quiet place. People say, don't go down to Calvary, whatever you do. There are a bunch of holy rollers down there. Well, I don't know what a holy roller is, but I do know this. Heaven is not going to be some quiet, reserved place. Uh, when you get there, a lot of churches like that, you walk in, they're real quiet, you know, and formal and formalistic. I'm telling you, brother, that is not what heaven is going to be like. When you get to heaven, it's going to be a loud place. They're going to be singing. They're going to be shouting. And listen, when you come to the services on Sunday, don't be just a spectator, but be a participant. Some of you young people, some of you young people, you see these people raise their hands sometimes. You're thinking, man, what in the world are they doing? They're getting happy. That's what they're doing. And by the way, that's in order in the house of the Lord. And you ought to try it. I mean, every once in a while, some of you young teenage boys, every once in a while, when God speaks to your heart, you ought to say, amen. I don't expect you to do a fist pump like Brother Looney. But you might just sit there and go, Amen. Amen. Boy, choir, that was good. Amen. Now, if you'll start, you know what? It'll progress. And you'll get to the place where when you walk in and God begins to speak, you might say, glory. <laughs> By the way, preacher, it's pretty fun, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 
It's pretty fun. It's pretty fun just to let go and let God have his way. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about foolishness. I'm not talking about wildfire either. I'm talking about when you walk into the right kind of the house of God and the spirit of God begins to work and the Lord begins to stir and there's a spirit of worship and you feel it starting at your feet and it works its way up to your knees and then it gets higher and higher. I'm telling you, brother, when God moves in, you'll want to shout. Now people say, well, you know, preacher, I'm just not, I'm just not the shouting type. You sure about that? Yes, Pastor. I'm, you see, I'm I'm reserved. Yeah. I've seen your reservation at the Panthers game. Some of you older folks have grandkids. We, we're working on our seventh grandbaby. And those grandbabies are precious. Man, you, you go down to the ball field, they're playing ball. And uh, I mean, and uh, they're, they're up to bat. That pitcher throws that ball in there and your grandbaby hits that ball. And man, it goes way out to left field. Man, he takes off and hits first. Man, he turns first, hits second. About that time, man, they still hadn't got the ball back. He hits third and he's looking at home. And you reserved grandparents are in the stands saying, well, I don't believe in shouting. <laughs> no, you don't. No, you don't, you hypocrite. You know what you do? You jump him and say, come on, Johnny, come on, come on. Yeah, hey, that's my boy. You can do it. Come on, come on. You got it, you got it, you got it. Wait a minute, brother. If we're going to shout like that on a ball field, we ought to shout like that for Jesus. Man, it's a, listen, it's a shame. It's a shame and it's a, it's a blight on our land when we'll shout like a Comanche Indian at the ball game, but we come and sit like a wooden Indian in the house of God. I don't know about your Jesus, but my Jesus is worth it this morning. Man, he reached way down and saved my soul and plucked me out of hell. And I want to tell you what, by the grace of God, I'll ever praise him. You say, good night. What in the world is this all about? It's called practice, brother. Practice. Welcome to scrimmage. Welcome. Hey, let's get in. Let's get in. Yep, break. Yeah, come on. That's right. We're practicing. They'll be shouting. In heaven, we got to bring this thing to a close. How about this church? Now, everybody get real spiritual because you're going to need a little more spirituality on this one. Number four, I wrote this down. There'll be saints of various races in heaven. Now, I want you to take your Bibles and turn over to Revelation chapter 7. And look at verse number 9. Revelation chapter 7 and verse number 9. Now listen, Dr. Malone used to say, it's in the book, what are you going to do about it? And church, it's here. I didn't write this. I'm not the, I didn't author this book. I'm just the mailman. That's all I am. Revelation 7 verse 9. Look what it says, Calvary. After this, I beheld. And lo, a great multitude which no man could number. Watch now. Of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. I just said that to say this, Calvary. You know what we better do? We better get rid of our prejudices right now. You say, well, Pastor, everybody don't look like me. Everybody's not supposed to look like you. Everybody's not supposed to have the same color hair you've got. Everybody's not supposed to have the same color skin you've got. And by the way, God made you like God made you, and God made them like God made them. And I'm just saying this, that you know what? If we're really practicing for heaven, every single person ought to be welcome at the Calvary Baptist Church in Union Grove. Now, I know where I'm preaching. I know where I'm preaching. I'm preaching in Union Grove. I know where I'm preaching. And I told the folks this last night, and I'll tell you this today. 28 years ago when I came to this church, they told me I couldn't preach this. But 28 years later, we're still preaching it. 
And by the grace of God, we're going to keep on preaching it after this. Why? Because, brother, this is heaven practice. This is what it's all about. And uh, you say, well, there's only going to be white people in heaven. That's not what the Bible says. But there'll be white people, black people, Filipino people, Korean people, Chinese people, Hispanic people. And so we just sort of better get over ourselves because heaven's going to be a place where everybody is. Little story, little story. Man, I think about that story. I heard about the, the, the affluent couple went to the church. They were rich, well up in, in means. A nice couple. They were visiting this church. She came in, had a beautiful fur on. He had a just magnificent suit. I'm not talking about JCPenney. I'm talking about tailor-made, buddy. They walked in, sat down in the, the pew, and the service began. And the lady looked across the aisle, and right across the aisle, there was this little poor, little poor boy. Didn't look just as poor as Job's turkey. Had big old holes in the knees of his pants. He was embarrassed. You could tell took his little hands and tried to cover up those holes in his trousers. And he looked across the aisle at that lady and she looked across the aisle at him. They made eye contact and she smiled at him. He smiled at her. And uh, the service went on and she said to her husband, she said, honey, she said, there's something different about this church. And he said, well, what is it? She said, I don't know. I haven't figured out yet. But there's something different about this church. Service went on a little bit later. She kept looking back at that little boy. He'd look back at her. And uh, she said, honey, there's something different about this church. He said, well, sweetie, you got it figured. I don't have it figured out yet, but I know that I can feel it. There's something different about this place. A little bit later, yeah, I mean, just almost through the service, she got a big smile on her face. She looked back at her husband. She said, honey, I figured it out. I know what it is. I know what's different about this church than the other churches we visited. He said, well, honey, what is it? She said, you see that little boy over there? That little poor boy don't have his hair combed. Hadn't taken a bath. He's dirty. He's got holes in the trousers of his pants. And the husband said, yes, honey, I see him. She said, honey, she said, that little boy right there is just as welcome at this church as we are. I want to tell you what, that's how the house of God ought to be, where everybody's welcome. It don't matter who you are. It don't matter where you come from. It don't matter what the color of your skin is. It don't matter how rich you are or how poor you are. Listen, everybody ought to be welcome at Calvary Baptist Church. Why, preacher? Because we're practicing for heaven. That's why. Goodness, church. Y'all better quit amen. And we got to get this thing closed. We're about done. We're about done. How about this? Man, I'm so excited. I'm not putting them on the screen for you. How about this? They'll be saved sinners in heaven. Would you look at Revelation chapter 5? Now I'm really going to need you to put your spirituality on right now, church. Revelation chapter 5, verse number 9. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. Watch now. For thou wast slain. Look at this next line. And hast redeemed us. That word redeemed is the idea of a rescue. It's the idea of having to reach down. <laughs> oh, man. Woo. Thank God when I couldn't go to him, he came to me. <laughs> man, we're going to stop right there and call a timeout and shout for a while. And has redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred, tongue, and people, and nation. There's going to be saved sinners in heaven. Now, understand, you will have to be saved to be in heaven. But there will be nothing in heaven except sinners that are saved. So that means this. That means sinners that were once lost but are now saved are going to be in heaven. Can I get an amen right there? All right. So I want you to be able to say amen in just a minute. That means that sinners that were once lost that did you wrong but we're saved are going to be in heaven. That means sinners that were, that failed you or sinners that offended you or sinners that gossiped about you 
And because of that, you never forgave them. Guess what? But they were saved. Now, should they have done it? No. But they did it. But they were saved. You know what that means? They're going to be in heaven. That means you're going to see them for eternity. In fact, I'm not so sure God doesn't have a sense of humor. And God might build your mansion right next to theirs. Hey, church, you know what that means? That means we better go ahead and just forgive now. Did you know that bitterness will eat you alive? It'll ruin your marriage. I'm telling you, I've seen it happen. Bitterness will make you an ugly person. It'll eat you like a cancer. You say, preacher, somebody done something to me one time, and I'll never forgive them. You better forgive them. Because if they were saved, although they shouldn't have done it, although they were saved, you're going to be in eternity with them. You're going to be in heaven with them. You better go ahead and get it right. Amen. Go ahead and get it right now. We had a young man used to used to attend this church and and really got, got his life straightened out. I mean, listen, just a mess. Got his life straightened out. He said God called him to preach, and he and he did. He started preaching here at Calvary, and God was working. And, and this is this is the truth, Brother Brandon, to this day. I don't know what I did to him, but he got so offended at me. He never came to me and said, Pastor, you did this or you said this or you offended. He never did that, but he just left the church and just got so offended. In fact, I came to the church one day and went to the office, and there was a letter on my, uh, on my desk, and I mean, man, he just lambasted me. He said, you're the worst excuse of a preacher I've ever seen. You're the worst excuse for a pastor. You're the scum of the earth. I mean, you deserve to burn in. Hey, I mean, man, he just went off on me, just told me how terrible I was. You say, what'd you do? Didn't do anything. Did you say, did you call him up? Didn't call him up. Write him a letter? Didn't write him a letter. Well, you say, what'd you do? I just forgave him. I just forgave him. You say, but wait a minute, preach on it. That's, that's not right. I'm not saying it's right. But if he's saved, I'm going to see him forever in, in heaven one day. And so I just let it go. By the way, a couple years passed. My phone rang. It was him. He was weeping. He said, Pastor, this is so-and-so called his name. He said, Preacher, I was wrong. I was wrong. He said, I, I shouldn't have said those things. I shouldn't have had that attitude. He said, I, I was wrong, Preacher. I was wrong. He said, can you ever forgive me? He said, is there any way I could come back to Calvary? I said, brother, come home, man. Come home. Just come on home. You've been forgiven ever since it happened. Oh, listen to me. Don't you sit out there and let, amen, amen. Don't you sit out there and let bitterness and indifference eat you up today. You ought to get on this altar and say, Lord, today, I'm giving it to you. I'm not carrying this any longer than today. We're done. We're done. We got to be done. How about this? Number six, there'll be submission in heaven. Hey, young people, I want you to pay attention to your Bible this morning. Look at Revelation chapter four and verse number nine. Revelation chapter four, verse number nine. Watch closely now. Revelation four, verse number nine. The Bible says, and when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him. You don't have to turn there. Revelation 1.17 says, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Revelation 19.10 says, and I fell at his feet to worship him. Revelation 22, 8 says, And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship. You know what the Bible's teaching us there? Heaven's going to be a place of submission. Submission. Now, this is all I'm saying. If you're not practicing your submission now, heaven's going to be awkward later. Watch, watch me now. I'm done. Young people, look up here, preacher. Did you know why God gave you a parent? Do you always understand them? No. Do you always agree with them? No. By the way, you're not supposed to. You've not been far enough down the road. 
By the way, kids, I love y'all. I'm serious, but I love you. I'm going to tell you something. Later on, when you get to be 20, 30 years old, things are going to change. And you're going to find out your parents were a lot more smarter than you thought. God wants you to submit to your parents. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, the Bible says. God wants you to submit. God's given you a pastor, and he wants you to submit to your pastor. Obey them that have the rule over you and watch for your souls. Wait a minute now. God's giving you a youth pastor, kids. God wants you to submit. Is he some kind of big hide my Oh, no, 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 no. He's made out of the same old stuff you're made out of. But God's given him a, a, a place of authority, and God wants you to submit to that authority. It doesn't mean you have to bow down before him, but it does mean you ought to respect him. God's given us authority. Listen, listen to me now. When that blue light's in the, in the rearview mirror and that police officer walks up beside your car and he says, license, please, that doesn't mean reach them down between the seats. It doesn't mean fuss or cuss. It means get your license out. And that's, it, that's not hard to figure out. License and registration, please. Submit. And get your license and registration. Now, why is that important? Because heaven is going to be a place of submission. We're practicing for heaven. Bus, bus captain brought a little bus kid, special little bus kid, to the service. <clears throat> and he was special because he was blind. He never had a blind bus kid ride his, his bus before. And, and uh, anyway, he dropped him off, took him to his Sunday school class, and then they were going to have junior church and all those kind of things. Then we're going to take them home later in the afternoon like we do here at Calvary. And that afternoon when the bus is starting loading up, he started going through his roll. All of his kids were present and accounted for except that little blind bus kid. He couldn't find that little blind bus kid. Man, he began to look around all over the church property and, and he finally, uh, you know, folks were still there fellowshipping. The services had ended, but folks were still there. And uh, he finally found that little bus kid in the auditorium in the sanctuary. He's just sitting there. The bus captain walked up to him and he said, Buddy, he said, we got to go home. It's time to go. Service is over. It's time to go home. He said, that little bus kid directed those little blind eyes up there toward that bus captain. And he said this. He said, is this heaven? And the bus captain said, do what? He said, is this heaven? And the bus captain said, what do you mean? He said, I came to this place today. And he said, I hear some of the most beautiful music I've ever heard. He said, I hear people laughing. He said, I don't hear that at my house. I hear cussing and fussing and fighting. He said, I hear people laughing. And he said, I, I hear people saying, I love you. I love you. He said, I heard a man preach a message that said somebody loved me so much that he gave his son to die for me. He said, is this heaven? Can we stay a little longer? Hey, Calvary, this is not heaven, but it is the place where we get in practice for heaven. And I believe heaven's not that far away. Man, let's listen. Let's get with it. Let's get ready. Let's get ready for the coming of the Lord. I want you to bow your heads with me this morning. I pray you've listened so good today. We went over about five minutes. I wonder today, are you ready for heaven? Now let me tell you what I'm talking about. If you died today, do you know for sure that you would go there? If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I honestly, I don't know. I really don't know. Okay, here's what I want you to do. In just a moment, we're going to stand. The pianist is going to play. I want you to leave wherever you are, and I want you to come to the front. We'll have folks here waiting on you. We're gonna, and we'd like to take the Bible and show you how you can know Jesus as your personal Savior. I wonder today with heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder how many to be so honest. You'd say, Pastor, You'd say, if I died today, I'm really not sure 
that I would go to this place called heaven. Oh, I want to. I want to. But I'm just not sure. And I want you to pray for me today. I wonder how many hands all over the auditorium would just, you'd slip your hand up right now and say, Pastor, pray for me. God bless you, bud. I'm, I'm sure going to pray for you. God bless you. I'm going to pray for you, dear lady. God bless you, buddy. I'm going to pray for you. God bless you over here. Oh, my Calvary. Goodness, goodness. Well, we need to be praying, don't we? I think I saw four hands so far. Who else would slip your hand up and you'd say, Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure about heaven. Would you pray for me? You'd slip your hand up right now. Can I pray for you? Is there one more? Is there one more? I'm going to pray for all of these. And I want you to come in just a moment. Let me ask you this, though. I wonder how many here today, you say, Pastor, I am saved. There's not a doubt about that, but I'm not so sure that I'm really ready for heaven. I mean, if the Lord came, I'd go, but I'm just not sure that I'm ready. That I'm thinking that heaven may be just a little bit awkward. If that's the case with you, I'm going to invite you to come. Would you stand with us all over the house this morning? Brother Brandon, I'm going to ask you to to get over here on the preacher's left, if you would, over on the piano side. And, and uh, Brother Looney up here on the right. And uh, if you need to come, if you, if you raise your hand and you need to come, listen, I want you to come right now. Father, I thank you for your blessings. And God, I believe you're dealing with hearts right now. And God, I pray in just a moment now that folks will make a move. Father, give them the courage. Lord, help them to understand that if they'll take that very first step, Lord, that you'll help them with that second one. Father, do that work that only you can do and help us to be ready for the coming of the Lord. Help us to be ready to spend eternity in heaven. Have your way in this invitation, please. And we thank you in Jesus' name. And our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. And if you raise your hand this morning and you need to come, I want to invite you to come right now, right now. If you raise your hand, come on. Come on, just, just, you say, Pastor, I'm scared to death. I know it. I know. I've been there. I was there. I remember it. I remember how nervous I was. But I also remember the joy when I finally made that decision. I remember the joy that God gave me. You raised your hand. There were at least four people that raised their hands this morning who said, Pastor, I'm not sure. I want you to come right now. Come on. Come on. While we wait. While we wait. You say, Pastor, somebody's beside me. They'll, they'll listen. Just say, excuse me. They'll let you. They'll let you by. That's right. Folks are coming. Folks are coming. Come on. Now's a good time. Now's a good time. Would you come? Folks are getting help at, at the altar today. Would you come? While we wait, we're going to pause just for a little while. Listen. This is the Lord's. We'll let the Lord have it. You, you come this morning while we wait.